Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor listeners? This is your host, David Scales, once again, welcoming you back to the show. There's just a couple small business details I've got to get to before we launch into the show. Um, if you're new, welcome. Follow the show on social media at Surf Splendor. Our website is surfsplendorpodcast.com. So everything that we discuss in this show is available there. All the videos, photos, links to articles, all that stuff is available there. We also have a full archive of every past episode of the show for free um, and a music archive. All the music used in every episode of Surf Splendor is available on the website, listed by episode, obviously. So engage in conversation there and on social media. There's a comment section on the website, so you can chime in if you have thoughts about today's show or any other show. All right, check that out. Tell your friends, um, and then rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you listen to. That helps other people to find the show, helps the show to grow. The more it grows, you know, the more shows we will continuously be able to produce. All right, that is all. Enjoy today's show. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, guy. <laughs> what was that? Oh, guy. Yeah. They want longer yeah guys. Yeah. Yeah, friggin' guy. Remember? Come on, guy. Why do you have to be like that? They do. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. And uh, we're back. We did this show just a week ago or less, and we decided to do another one because David was on his European vacation. Work trip. Some guilt came over him, and he's like, you know what? We should probably do another show. I was working exhaustively in Europe and decided that I want to work exhaustively here. So. And we're broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente, the Smithsonian, if you will, of the surf culture world. I think one day the Smithsonian is going to be like, we're the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center of everything non-surfing. Of culture. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it is Tuesday, November 10th, and tomorrow is Veterans Day, and I want to give a shout out to all the veterans out there. Thank you for your service, and that includes... My father and my oldest brother and my my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my father-in-law, many, many others, friends. Wow. I'm sure you have some, too. You're the outcast of the family, huh? The military would not have me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, speaking of Europe, I didn't even tell you um, when we were talking about my trip last time, uh, but I surfed a tidal boar. In, oh, cool. I saw pictures Bordeaux. of it. Yes. Did you? I saw pictures of it, yeah. On Facebook? Or? Yeah, you, you yeah. did something, Instagram or something. Somebody, somebody, somebody tagged, tagged me. you, yes. Yeah, yeah. And tagged Boardroom Show, and that's why I saw Oh, really? It. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think, or... Yeah, maybe you did. Um, how much were you... Were you Here's like a, extolling the praises of Boardroom Show Instagram when you were on your <laughs> career. You're just like, I don't know that guy. No, no. What no, you want to really do is tag Surf Splendor. He, he's, um, I didn't even discuss the, the podcast. Thank I don't you. know that that's, he even listens. That's where I'm going with this. Thank you. you David failed. Charbonnel, Swope Surfboards is his name. Yeah, he's that's, a who, that's who tagged me. Yeah. So he's a surfboard shaper. That's right. probably why he reached out to you. Yeah, he knows um, a good thing. So title bore, first yes. of all. You know what it is. I, yeah. Maybe listeners do too. Most listeners probably do. Yeah. It's crazy. It was rad. Like this tidal bore um, happens a lot, right? Where you're, I don't like, know, mo- like three times a month or something. Like it's not a lunar, every month, It's a though. lunar phase thing. Most tidal bores, right? I don't. Yeah, most tidal bores are, but this one, I don't know if it happens that frequently. 
Maybe it does. Yeah, I think it there's like- one that happens a lot. And it might, I, I've, you know, you, it's funny you say, you know about tidal bores, right, Scott? And quite frankly, I don't think I do really know the science behind tidal bores. I want to yeah. say, is it a snow melt that like, no. rushes down? No, I mean, it's, it is a lunar thing. It's basically on the highest tide. Um, the ocean obviously fills up and has, needs to go somewhere. And if there's a river, it pushes into the river and creates a wave, but it doesn't happen in every river. The bottom contour, the shoreline has to be right, obviously. And there's some tidal bores that are bigger than others. Some of them that barrel that we've seen, like Tom Kern get barreled in in yeah. Africa somewhere. Um, and so it's basically, it pushes down the river, but it's literally one wave. It's not like there's oh there's just one there's wave a just year one on wave because I think there's one in Munich or in Germany somewhere along some river that happens that's a standing wave rel- oh okay standing wave that's yeah, different than that's a tidal different. bore okay so this it's like I was gonna meet with David the next day and uh, he text or I was gonna meet with him and he texted me the night before and he's like hey dude let's push our meeting um, do you want to go surf this tidal bore and I was like uh, okay like I I'm not sure I'm totally down for that I hardly know what they are but sure. So we get in his car, we're driving down the river, driving down the road that runs parallel with the river, and we were late to it. So like as we're- Oh my God, the yeah, anxiety of being- as, That's like the wind's picking up, you know? But there's only one, and yeah. it's like doesn't happen often, you know? So it's like- <laughs> Wait till next year. Exactly. So my trip happened to align perfectly with this tide, tide you know? So we're driving down the river, booking it, and you could see the wave from behind You're as we're approaching. chasing the river. Chasing, chasing the, the wave. Maybe the wave's going 20 miles an hour, and we're going 40. So we're like gaining on it, you know? Right. And there's a couple, you could see it, and we're gaining, and then there's What's a couple guys like? on What's traffic like? Are there it. people in front of you trying to it's a race small, to It's this? a small road in France. So it's like one way, cars go in each direction, or not one way, one lane. Are there other surfers lane. racing to get yes. the tidal bar with you? So yes. So it's like a, it's the only it's cars, a mad dash to totally. get in front of the tidal board. Totally. So, um, is it dangerous? Yeah, because it's. I said I mean, one the drive. I mean, drive. I was in the back seat, uh. and it is dangerous because it's narrow roads there, and there. I didn't. I said one way, but it's actually two way, but one lane each direction. You know, with like, right. it, it's, it's it's dangerous. dangerous. So anyway, we pass the wave, but and we go past it like thirty minutes because you need time to get out, suit up, and the water's cold, so you wear wetsuit and booties and stuff. So then we went past it like thirty minutes suited up, jumped in the river, and the tide obviously is pulling out from there towards the ocean. So you jump in and paddle up towards the ocean because if you just jump in where your car is, catch a wave, and then surf for five minutes down the river, you got to walk three miles back to your car, you know? Right. So you jump in the river and go with the tide out towards where the wave is coming from and then spin around and catch it. And if you had enough time, you could paddle farther and therefore get a longer ride. You just need to keep an indicator of where your car's parked so that when you're surfing back you can head towards shore jump out but the the tidal difference at that particular part of the river is probably five feet so like when we're walking out to get in the river you know there's shoreline and you jump in the water when you get out there's no shoreline and there's like a raging current so it's actually kind of dangerous to try to make the exit there's trees and rocks and you're you surf over to the edge, then you put your foot down to like try to gain traction, but you could easily like step in a hole and get your ankle broken because the water's rushing that fast. Oh, you know? wow. And as you're actually riding, well, we paddle out, spin around, catch the wave. There was probably like 10 guys on the wave at once. So it's not like you're going to rip it on the shoulder because there's just too many people. You basically just go straight, you know, but it, it's still a blast because yeah. it's an adventure and everybody else yeah. is like high-fiving and having a great time. And we, he had his GoPro, so he was timing it 
because the video was running and it was like we got like a four minute and 40 second ride which is pretty rad yeah like Doesn't, a white water ride that yeah. has got power and juice and Whitewater ride, but it's also kind of reforming on itself. You're kind of constantly connecting with it. Yeah, exactly. And a couple guys ate it. I was the last guy. If you eat it, you're done, obviously. Exactly. There's a wave behind it? One more No, but there is a wave that's like not breaking behind it, kind of. Like this just roller. I don't know if you could actually catch it. But I was the last guy standing. Like everybody kind of wiped out. You won the heat. Totally won. But you can, while you're, um, if you're close enough to the shore bank, to the river bank, you can hear all the rocks getting like sucked up in the wave and trees cracking and stuff. Whoa. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Hmm. Um, and this wave wasn't that big. It was probably like waist high, you know, but he said, David said he surfed it when it's like, oh. So, how many guys are waiting for the waist high wave? 10. And how many guys are already riding it as you're waiting for it? There was 10 when we, like, we were the last guys on it. So, there was 20 guys total on the No, wave? no, no, 10 total. 10 total. We were the last guys on it. And what was the anxiety like? Like, oh shit! I mean, am I not going to catch this wave? Like, here's the problem: they don't. David and the other guy I was with don't speak that great of English, and so they didn't. They couldn't fully explain to me how they to said prepare. Go, and you thought they said no. <laughs> <laughs> Even going to the river, I didn't really understand what was going to happen. You know? Oh my god! And that's I, cool. I, I thought we were going to have to hike back to the car. Like, I didn't quite get it. Yeah. But then once we paddle out and the wave was coming. Like, I'm not a beginner surfer, but I was kind of nervous about wiping out on a whitewash. Sure. Like, if I'm the only guy here that eats crap on this whitewash, I mean, I can't remember. Representing the United States of America, (laughs) David. And I was riding a longboard, and it turned out it was the easiest thing ever. You spun around, went, and stood up and go. It's, like, simple, you know. But, um, yeah, that was was an adventure. It was totally rad because you're in Bordeaux, literally like one of the greatest wine regions in the world, surfing in a river. Like, totally unexpected. That's pretty groovy. Yeah, I didn't know. Like I said, I only found out the day prior. That's sort of a bucket list thing. I've told you before, I I think I've told you this, but one of the things that I love to do is do um, tanker surfing off of Texas. I Mm. heard that's really insane. I didn't know that that was one of the things. They've got it down to a science. Like, there's this one guy, I forget his name. He's like a legend in Texas. And... um, it all has to do with, of course, I think tides, but the draft of the tanker, like you want to do a super tanker because it has a way heavier draft, creates a better wave, and the tide has to be low, and like there's all these things that get played into it. So it's not like you know going to check Surfline. You have to go check the manifest of the shipping industry <laughs> and find, find out if they're carrying a heavy load and what their draft is like and then what the tide's like. And But I would imagine the shipping lanes are pretty active, and so it pro- you could probably do it regularly, right? I don't know. Again, I, I I wish I knew more about it. I think it's it's not. I don't know if it's a regular thing or if it's um, five times a year or twenty times a month. I really hmm. don't know how how well, active it is. I know it's pretty. It seems pretty um, illegal. Like all oh, of a sudden okay. you're in a little, you know, you're in your little inflatable, right? And you're jamming towards this massive boat, and it's kind of spooky, I bet, a little bit. Because, you know, so if you've ever spooky. been in a little boat next to a super tanker, you're like, holy shit. It's so spooky. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a weird animal in, instinct in your human brain that remains from thousands of years ago. That fear that kicks in next to a giant object like that. Yeah. It's weird. It's hard to even put into words. Like, I haven't been on a small boat next to a big boat like that, but I've been next to a cruise ship on the dock. Yeah. And it's just frightening for yeah. some reason. Yeah. You know, it's really weird. I can't imagine what a whale looks like. 
you know? Yeah, like, well, there's a new movie out. By the way. That Moby Dick movie. Yeah, I've read that book. It's a great book. You should read it. It's Moby a true Dick? St- no, it's called In the Heart of the Sea. And oh. it's based, That's it's a nonfiction story that tells the story of that Moby Dick situation. Okay. Uh, if I sort of butchered that, but I would just urge you to read it. It's called In the Heart of the Sea. Well, I would love to read it because I actually just finished Moby Dick on this trip, this Europe trip. Oh, well, you'll love this book. Okay. This book's insanely good. Okay. Because yeah. I, I realized a number of years ago, like, there's all these classic books that people just always talk about that yeah. I have, I've never read. Crime and Punishment. I haven't read it. I, I, my daughter has to read it, and I read page one. It's Doshevsky. Yeah. And, uh, Doshevsky? Or? I'm probably butchering it. Yeah. I've, I want to say Doshevsky. I think no. that's that's probably a composer or Do- something. Dostoevsky? No, I'm going to butcher I don't it know, but it's some Russian There's more. Dude. No, I know who it is. But, Do- Dostoevsky. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Dostoevsky. And uh, I read page one, and it was... it was in, it, Like, she was all concerned that it was going to be a hard book to read, but it was actually engaging. Like, it wasn't difficult. It was... Mm-hmm. It was a, page one was... Like, yeah, hmm. let's read this, you know, for what it's worth. Well, so based on that, I was like, I started reading all these classics and um, like Hemingway and like all sorts of stuff. But um, Moby Dick is arguably one of the greatest books I've ever read. Like, it's phenomenally good. And You're going to enjoy watching this movie and seeing and reading this book. You're okay. going to... I'm assuming. No, I'm going to commit. Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't expect Moby Dick to actually be good. Yeah. I was like, it's outdated and it's going to have, like, the language actually is outdated, but you understand all of it. Yeah. But it's also, the storyline, of course, is very, very intriguing. And then secondly, it's just poetic. It's like, you could pick up the book in the middle, crack it open to a random page, read a paragraph and be absolutely enthralled by just the poetry of the language. Right. Like it's that interesting. Herman Melville, yeah. right? Yeah. Who also did not have success as an author until after he died, which is always interesting to me. Yeah. It seems like that's always the case. So I think publishers, you know, you always hear about like, they got a scam going, they're like, your book sucks. Your book sucks. Wait till he dies. Then we'll publish it and make all the money. <laughs> they try to hook up with writers who are like in their eighties. <laughs> so they have to wait less. But what have you written in the past 20 years? Yeah. Kind of interesting. Well, well, a lot of good books out there. Yeah. Um, in regard to the title bore, yes. Um, did you see this article about designer reefs? No. It's an I interesting didn't. concept. Yeah. I'm, on, they, on, go ahead, and then I've got a segue. But. Yeah. Well, um, basically, it was Stab Mag covered this thing. Um, it's talking about they somebody in Australia basically um, – created a designer reef that was supposed to protect beachside properties, which it did successfully. Where? Um, I don't know the exact location. I'll, I'll pull it up. Yeah, I'll pull it up while we're talking. But basically it's a made up of a series of geotextile sandbags bound together in the shape of a triangle with a gap in the middle that lets water run back out, but it actually creates a little rip bowl. So it made a super sick, Right, wave like in different style of wave too. Like there was the rip bowl little wedgy thing, and then there was like a frame on the left and the right, and then or on either side going either way, and different conditions made the wave break differently. But it was all good, and um, it actually ended up falling apart because boats would go out there and their anchors would actually rip the bags apart, and then the sand would get dispersed. But it was kind of an interesting study of like we could actually. Well, they've made a few reefs like this. Out. Yeah, 
And and this one in Australia, there's one in Australia they did out of this geotextile bags. And it was, wasn't the greatest wave they had hoped for, but it turned into kind of a slabby wave. And the boogie boarders kind of took over. And it was okay. a short little slabby wave. I'm not sure if this is the same reef that you're talking about. Doesn't seem like it is. But they also did this right near you, where you live. Um, you know, I want to say 15 years ago or something. Okay. They they attempted to put bags of sand down, and I want to say it was in San Pedro or just is there a place between Seal Beach and San Pedro, like Long a, Beach? It might have been Long Beach. It might have been Elsa Gun or not Elsa Gun, but anyway, it was somewhere in there where and the surf rider was sort of sort of tiptoeing around being behind this. You know, they weren't like totally on board, but some of the surf rider people were. And the idea was artificial reefs. Let's mm-hmm. build artificial reefs because it'll be good. You know, obviously from the surf rider standpoint, I imagine they thought it'll be good for the, you know, the local marine environment to have more reefs for things to flourish and food to eat and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, it failed. And I, and I apologize to say I'm not exactly sure, but I would yeah. urge you to Google. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in England, they tried this yeah. recently and it was a huge failure. This one, by the way. Bournemouth. Was- I want to say Bournemouth. Artificial reef in Bournemouth. Maybe? Okay, I don't know that. Well, this one was off the coast of Narrow Neck on Australia's Gold Coast. Yeah, um, this is the one that I've heard about. Okay, well, it's not new, right? It's n- been there for a while. N- I, well, there's never actually been any successful attempts. It seems to create a reef solely for the purpose of producing waves. In this article, they said new. Oh, the New Zealand-based company ASR. Yeah, that's the company, okay. right? Produced ASR. three multi-purpose reefs throughout. I've the- interviewed those guys actually on this show. Oh, have the you? ASR guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, none of them have lived up to the expectation. This one random one that they built for thwarting coastal erosion for these beachside properties actually was randomly, you know, better than the others. But I'm just curious, what's the downside to this? Like, this seems awesome. Can we do this everywhere and just? Well. I, you know, and again, I'm not a scientist, so I can't really answer that. But as um, as a guy who slept in a really good hotel last night, <laughs> I feel like I might be able to answer this. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Well, you know that that ad, that commercial, um, that ad campaign about you know the guys dying on the side of the road, and no. he goes, "Get out of the way! I'll make, I'll help." You know, and they go, "Are you a surgeon?" He goes, "No, but I slept in a double tree last night, oh, so okay. I feel great." Wow! Look at you yeah. giving double tree some extra play on the podcast. I think it was double tree. <laughs> So the answer is there's probably issues with um, natural flow of sediment and and the natural longshore current and how that gets affected if you just drop stuff in in the ocean. You know, is there going to be now a depositional coast where there wasn't a depositional coast? Is there going to be erosion where before there wasn't erosion yeah. based on currents flowing in and around these bags that you drop? Right. You know, so... I think nobody really knows, and both sides have valid arguments about why or why or why we should not do this. Yeah, it's – you're probably right, almost certainly that you're right, but I don't know. It seems like they can navigate around a lot of those issues. Well, it's, and I always say, well, what, what about the millions or, or let's say thousands of um, – Jetties? That – those are great for waves, but yeah. but the thousands of just shipwrecks, like – Right. You know, like – Yeah. Guess what? It seems like there's, yeah, but you know, now they tout shipwrecks as the greatest thing ever because it does create artificial reefs for the for the fauna, you know, for the for the marine life to, you know, yeah. habitat and habitate and is that a word? Habitate? Did I just make up a word? Mm, I'm not sure. I like that word, habitate. Yeah, I'm gonna go habitate. We'll use it. So anyway, yeah, could be good, could be bad. We don't know. It's like an old uh, I, I, Buddhist. 
I'm excited that the prospect, when you look at like, we talk about wave pools on the show and other artificial stuff. It's like, this is a way better prospect than any of those. I mean, I guess it's still in the ocean, so you can't like transplant it to the middle of America or something, yeah. but what? It's in, no, it's just, it's interesting that you say that because they just announced the surf park summit too, which okay. is happening, um, I guess about a year from now, next September at, at surf expo out in Orlando. And Surf Park Summit 1 was all of these manufacturers getting together and sort of going, hey, man, let's not be enemies. Let's try to figure this out together. We all really want the same thing. And and that was interesting in and of itself because you got all these companies that are super secretive trying – some of them wouldn't show up and had a spokesperson come and say – Yeah. You know, like it was just – it was interesting just the political yeah. play that was happening there. And, and you know, I think these people – the reason I smile is I think these people would have input into into, you know – what seems to you and I to be a no-brainer, let's just drop some t- geotextile bags at this place where there aren't any waves now and there could be waves then. Which benefits all the surfers who live by the coast. But the wave pool people, I think, are really looking to bring waves inland oftentimes, right. you know, and ex- expand expand the surfing base. Which, rather is, than which just brings a huge moral question. Like, is that really good? Like, how does right, that, how is that good for David and Scott? Like, it's if not. you and I are just sort of, you know, um, a great little subsection of of true coastal dwelling surfers how is it good for us well because they want to they want to say that it's really good well it's good for you because you have the boardroom show and next year there'll be more people attending the boardroom show absolutely that's what it's for absolutely and then there's tons of benefits for the boardroom show and then if you can't if you can no longer afford to live on the coast you can move inland and still get to surf inland you know what i mean like that's a real practical concern for you know there's you and i have talked about this before too that that a lot of people have said, well, what good is, like, there's hardcore people that are like, what good are surf condos anyway? I never watch them. They're lame. It's not what surfing's all about. And I, I just was banging over here on this side. Yeah, watch it. Um, and I remember that we were at Surfer Magazine. We, we had edit meetings about this. You know, like, can we prove that competitive surfing has been good to the average guy that hates competitive surfing? Interesting. And Chris Morrow would be better to elaborate on this because he wrote the article and he did the research on it. But... It basically came down to, hey, man, without contest surfing, you could argue that there wouldn't be the three-fin thruster. Like Simon validated that design. Look, there were three-fin surfboards before Simon Anderson's three-fin surfboard. Sure. But because he went out and won pipeline on it and surfed huge bells on a 6.4 and everyone's jaw just dropped to the lines that were being now made, you know, made on this design, um, you know, that's an example of Contest surfing helping the average right. lay person that that hates competitive surfing and the whole concept of it, and and Chris went out to lay out a bunch of other examples of of how because basically what he was saying is that competition proves performance, and if we have to keep upping the performance, we're going to keep looking for new technologies and new designs and new ways to get better at what we're being judged upon. Right, and although it doesn't seem like in the spotlight, it makes sense or it helps the average guy. When it trickles down, all of a sudden the average guy gets a trifin under his feet and he's like, God, this board works way better than that 7.6 pintail I was riding in Huntington Beach. Now yeah. I'm riding a 6.4 trifin. Same volume and I'm able to surf with so much more freedom and gosh, I love this board. Well, that same guy was, you know, was uh, poo-pooing contests. Right. And the same could be said then, I guess what I'm trying to do is draw that parallel to to the guy that hates the idea of of surf parks or artificial waves and that they're not going to affect me ever. And 
And the answer is we really don't know that. There could be trickle down that could be amazing. And some of that trickle down could be, in fact, artificial reefs that are dropped into the ocean that we learned about through surf parks inland, you know, technologies that we learned about. Right. And so you just don't know. Well, and for the example you gave about the thruster, then there's probably downside to that as well, you know, and then more people in the water, more people in the water. And then actually surfboards went way too small and low volume and potato chippy. And so that threw off a bunch of people that was really writing equipment, yeah. but that was driven by contest because that's what Kelly Slater that's was winning true. on or whatever, that's you know, no, that's true. And so that was it, just like a market correction though. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, it is. It's yeah, it is. But I'm just saying like you can make, the purists who are riding the Jerry Lopez single fin, you know, whatever, like never received any of that benefit. And in fact, if they tried to get on that other board and ride it, they would have had a horrible time and maybe quit surfing or maybe people didn't get into surfing because that board had so much limitation on it that they never got past the stage of sitting on it and paddling, right. you know, like, right. and I'm, I'm stretching, but yeah, no, that's what we do here. Yeah. We stretch for a good pod. Yeah. It's like yoga for the brain. That's true. Stretching for good pod. That was a straight warrior pose right there. <laughs> <laughs> I did some yoga yesterday. <laughs> it was epic. Speaking, that's a good reminder. Speaking of yoga and Jerry Lopez boards, Jerry Lopez. Yeah, Jerry Lopez is going to be the honoree at the boardroom this spring in 2016 as we kick off the summer season at the boardroom. And the icons of foam tribute to the masters shape off. Um, honoring Jerry Lopez. So yeah, everyone's, ex everyone's excited about that. Very excited. Yeah. It's well, be cool. What was your segue out of the designer reef topic? You said the surf park summit oh, okay. too. They've that announced, was there was a press release okay. this week about they've announced it. And, um, and selfishly, I'm last time they had it here in Laguna, I was the moderator or the oh, master okay. of ceremonies. I see. So selfishly, I'm trying to, uh, get that gig again. I sent an email and I've yet to receive a response. So I'm thinking they don't want me <laughs> thinking it didn't go so well last <laughs> I guess, time. I guess not. So, um, the price is right though. <laughs> here, here's, here, here's the funny thing. That word MC, you're like, I was yeah. the master of ceremonies, which is obviously the right term. And then they'll shorten it and say MC. But if you look up in the dictionary, there's a word that is E M C E E. Really? Yeah. All like right. you just think MC is short. What's the MC, the word spelled out, mean? Same thing? It means the same thing. Master of Ceremonies? Yes. E-M-C-E-E oh, -E -E e -E. means to be the Master of Ceremonies. Oh. Isn't that a weird trend? That like, is. You'd think it would just be an a abbreviation. abbreviation. I think it started out as an abbreviation, and then enough people used it saying- Some linguist got a hold of it and said, that's not right. Yeah. And I've looked. I, I've come across that in the past. That's why I'm saying it, but I'm going to look it up now because I'm starting to feel like someone's going to call me out on it. <laughs> That's what we do here. We, Some listeners going to be like, "That is so incorrect." We say things that are wrong so that you may respond. I mean, it's wonders does wonders for our inbox. Uh, yeah, Matt, that's exactly what I just said. E M C E E, Master of Ceremonies, is the definition. So that's a weird tidbit that has nothing to do with surfing. Well, speaking of Master of Ceremonies, I'll segue into this. Um, the Surfer Paul Awards is happening. Probably, I think it happens right around the beginning of the Pipe Masters, like December 6th or yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Happens in, in on the North Shore at Turtle Bay. And the Surfer Pole Awards is probably, I don't know, this it's been going on since 1964 or 1961 or something, whenever Surfer Magazine started. Mm -hmm. And um, it's basically like a popularity contest. It sort of turned into a popularity contest. Mm -hmm. So I've done my own Surfer Pole for this show. 
Um, I've got my top 10. I'm going to list them out for you, David, and you can comment on okay. on my top 10. I can't wait. And um, I will say this, that my surfer poll isn't necessarily most popular. I see the surfer poll as who's the most interesting. So my surfer poll, these are my top 10. Um, and I'll, I'm and dying I've, with anticipation. I've only done men, by the way. <laughs> Shocking. No, women will be next week. Okay. Shocking. <laughs> I think <laughs> number 10 in the surfer bowl for 2015 Scott Bass's. Do you have any sort of like um, drum roll music? Yeah, drum roll or anything? Nope. <laughs> number 10 surfer bowl, Dane Reynolds. Okay. I have some notes here on Dane. I say his departure from Quicksilver is relatively interesting. He has this young family. Of course, Dane's the poster child for the, uh, you know, who gives a damn. I just want to surf sort of clan. He's um, interesting, I think, Dane, for as much uh, for what he doesn't do as for what he does do. Very true. And he sort of hibernates. He did so <laughs> early in 2015. Then he kind of comes out of the woodwork. I thought that was a reference to his physique. Well, he, he does look like the Unabomber a little bit. <laughs> he hibernates. He comes out for wild cards. Then he disappears for a while. However, if Dane's not careful, I think his wife's Instagram could quickly earn this spot next year because I find her almost more interesting than Dane Reynolds. Napkin apocalypse. Thank you. Not uh, not his wife, but his girlfriend. Uh, yeah, if they're not married, they should be. They Baby have, mama. They have a child together. Yeah. And her Instagrams are fascinating. Yeah. And I, I, you've got to agree that. If you didn't, if you were obje- if you were from the Wall Street Journal, you might be more interested in inter- interviewing her than interviewing Dane Ryan. Absolutely, agreed. Number nine, Adriano De Souza. Wow, lovingly known as Bronco De Souza on this show, thanks to our friend Tony Roberts. I did not see that coming. He's interesting because he's a, our blue collar Brazilian, right? I mean, I love the fact that he is so determined. He's so. He's just got that blue collar. He's got a work ethic that I wish more North American surfers had that didn't Entirely. have they didn't have this uh, entitlement. And he doesn't have that. And um granted he has this sort of what I like to call a no style style, you know, mm. this hideous like Tony Roberts put it, right? Bronco de Souza. He looks like he's riding down the wave as if he's about to lasso a steer with you know, his right arm. If you photoshopped a Bronco under his legs, that looks like what he's doing. He does. He's Bronco on de for eight seconds. It's a it's a loving term. I don't know that it's loving, but it's <laughs> it's definitely well thought I'm out. a fan of Bronco de Souza. I'm, Here's what's I'm crazy. Only, but not his surf style. Okay. <laughs> Just that his his blue collarness we've I will let you go. He's, well, side note. He's determined. I, I love like, the determination in him. I feel like through osmosis you have taken on my opinion about Adriano because I feel like a year ago you would not have had Adriano on this and I I'm a fan of his work ethic and I feel like now I think you might be right I think yeah I think I'm I've influenced okay with you that. for the better I think you have you're, and, you're, and quite frankly after hearing your opinion of him and then watching it through that prism I absolutely see that it's a I agree with and you I, and I and I absolutely appreciate yeah his his blue collar determination I agree it's and, I, and, like, I, and I absolutely dislike his style. Agreed. We don't. But want I to like watch him, him as a person. He gives exactly. great post heat interviews. Totally. We don't want to watch him surf, but we need him there so that he can infuse some of that into everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. I'm on board. Would, I won't go so. He's not a necessary evil. He's better than that. Agreed. 
Number eight, Matt Parker from Album Surfboards. Yep. I know that's a dark horse to many of you, but Matt has been crafting these aesthetically pleasing surfboards. They're shiny. They're sexy. They're gorgeous. They're different. They're gorgeous. You can tell the craftsmanship is a big part of his persona, you know, that he cares for his product. Yeah. Not just aesthetically pleasing. The craftsmanship. No, they, and they rip. Yeah. And they're in. They, yeah, yeah. They're, I, Design if there's wise. one board that I want, it's an album surfboard. Like yeah. if you could say, Scott, I'm going to give you a surfboard. It's an album surfboard. Yep. Now, um, the reason that I that he's on my list is because I, I do subscribe to his Instagram feed. So I see these boards come through his Instagram feed constantly. Yeah. And that helps to, you know, garner my interest. Mm-hmm. And because I see him, he's on, you know, those boards are on my mind a lot. I'm like, oh man, that guy makes really nice boards. Yeah. So anyway, Matt Parker, he's one to watch out for. He's number eight on my surfer poll 2015. Very cool. I'm not sure if he was invited to the Turtle Bay Hilton or not. He might. Well, if we get enough people to vote for him, he could be. Voting's over. Voting's voting's over. over. Yeah. Well, he, we're in San Clemente at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Album Surfboards is in San Clemente, right next to Knoll Surfboards. Jed Knoll, yeah. I'm afraid to go in there. If I go in there, I probably will more than likely buy a board, and I don't have the money for that. Well, you've already maxed out your three board a month quota this month, or what? <laughs> no, no, I'm on, a, I'm on a strict diet. I'm trying to thin the herd, and and I don't. I it's a long story. I won't get into it now, but I, I'm trying to uh, not have so many material possessions. I see. I really don't. Sounds need, like a topic of discussion. It actually. is later, but okay. not in the middle of the Surfer Poll Awards. Got it. Put a pen um, in it. Number seven, Surfer Pulse 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for a loud, a, a loud roaring uh, approval applause for Mr. Mason Ho. Yeah. I'm on board with that for number sure. Number seven. For sure. Doesn't even need an explanation. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But um, to me, he's, and to you, he's this happy-go-lucky, uh, happy-go-lucky character that that um, he's always going to, there just seems to be a lot of energy about him. He performs in contests. He does these incredible edits. Um, the North Shore is coming up. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of Mason Ho here in the next two months. He, to me, he's, he's sort of like Jamie O'Brien 6.0. Like he's the, he's the adorable, approachable Jamie. Like something crazy is going to happen, something mesmerizing. He's going to do something at Pipeline that just blows your mind. And 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 Mason comes from this great lineage, and he's just a great guy. So Mason Ho is number seven. Huge fan. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Number six, Surfer Poll. Top 10 for 2015. Spill it. Gabe Medina. He's my favorite black hat wearing bad guy. Claims, claims, and more claims. Everyone has to root against somebody, and I root against Gabby. He's got an incredible talent. Deep down in my heart, I know he's a nice young man. Our world champion, by the way, a competitive force. He's good for the WSL. We need to have these types of people on tour. He's very interesting. He's not boring, and it would be boring without him on tour. That's why he's on my surfer pole. Not going to argue with you. Number six. I wouldn't. He wouldn't be on mine, but... He wouldn't make your top 10 no, surfer poll. He's the world champion. Definitely not. But everything that you said in your explanation is true. So therefore, I'm not going to argue. All right. Number five, the entire quiver of WSL commentators, nice. Joe Turpel, Martin Potter, Rosie Hodge, Ross Williams, Strider Wazalewski, Peter Mel, Ronnie Blakey. Uh, I'm sure I've missed a few. Not in that order. Right. Just all of them. Let's face it. Ronnie Blakey would be right at the top. Well, I'm just saying the WSL commentators, exactly. they are interesting. If you watch the WSL, most of us do. They are a part of your life. More a part of your life than the surfers. Sure. To, and that's really the fault of the WSL. That should not be the case. Yeah. But they are what they are. They're a huge part of the production, and they are a part of our lives. Right. And for that very reason, they're interesting. That by By... Just by osmosis, they're yeah. on this list because we see them, we watch them, we talk about them in parking lots, in the surf, out of the surf, at the supermarket. More Rosie Hodge, please. Definitely more Rosie. Here's what's interesting about the team that I did not expect at all is how awesome Ross Williams is. Like I grew up loving Ross Williams as a surfer, but he never stood out as like the most interesting personality or even the most, um, the smartest or the most witty or the most knowledgeable or analytical or any of that stuff he was just like kind of a vanilla vanilla lower tier wct yeah. surfer that did he was, these he was huge... brett simpson no because brett's got personality though. yeah but you didn't know it until you saw it but until now you know it. well now but you even know ross doesn't... Well, now you know it because there's social media like you would know ross back in maybe the, so in the mid 90s you would know that stuff if there had been oh, all of this. well okay let me actually tease it apart brett's got mass appeal because he's funny ross he wouldn't be good on Instagram. He wouldn't be good on tour notes. He wouldn't be good in it. He's just really good at commentary and ana analyzing waves. And so it's interesting that the WSL picked up on that because he probably was in the booth for some of the reef events in Hawaii because he yeah. was working with reef yeah. forever. And it was the instantly crown. obvious. And it was instantly obvious that like, no, he's not like a comedian and he's not like the best looking or he's not what, but he's, he's really good behind the mic at analyzing yeah. surfing. Yeah. And and commenting on waves. And it's like, I didn't expect that, and I love it. I yeah. think he's killing it. Yeah, he's a natural. So, next. Yeah. Number four, surfer pole. Yeah. This is going to surprise many people. John John Florence, number okay. four. Potential, uh, still spelled with a capital P for John John Florence. Um, we know that he's got it all. Okay, capital P. P for potential. Oh. 
potential spelled with a capital P. Got it. And the key here is can we reach that potential? It seems like one year he does these incredible manu- – like I'm just waiting for that year where he puts it all together, where his free surfing, his competitive surfing, his moments at Pipeline and Chopu, his moments in Australia, it all comes together so that not only is he – the greatest free surfer in the world, and my apologies to Teddy Allen, who hates that term. <laughs> so he's not the, but he's also our world champion in the competitive format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, a lot of thoughts on John Jen. We we go over these thoughts all the time. Yeah, but uh, number four, my surfer poll. Yeah, I think. Do you think he's actually going to fulfill the potential that we all see? I do. I do too. I do. I do too. <laughs> I want to, well, it'll I kind of want to just believe in the dream it'll be a, a little let, bit. It'll be a big letdown. I know we were both kind of hesitant there. <laughs> well, because how much what of it. could stop him is the question. What could a stop A lot of things. Felipe Toledo, Gabriel no, Medina. I, I'm thinking outside forces. Plenty of those as well. Yeah. But I do think like his level of talent is almost unstoppable. It's going to just, it's going to push through. My concern for him is that he doesn't rest on his laurels. And and just go. You know what? I'm the pipe champion. I'm this, I'm John John. I'm you know I'm going to get paid no matter what. Everything's good. I'll just yeah. I'll just be happy to be in the top ten for the next ten years on the WSL. See, I don't think that he's ever rested on his laurels. I don't either. And, I'm just that's my scare. But my, but I don't think he's also necessarily been driven in the way that Adriano's driven. He's to the point that he's at because he's just that talented. And so there's not drive pushing him forward, and there's no resting on his laurels. He surfs longer than anybody. They'll all everybody will tell you they're like. Like he'll serve eight hour, eight plus hours a day. I guess what I'm saying is that if it is our hope that someday he becomes the world champion, to get to that point, I think that there's some internal um, machinations yeah. that need to occur to kind of flip the switch a little bit more to get more of that Adriano determination. <laughs> now, some might argue, hey, you do that and now you've ruined the mix here. You know, and I agree with ruined the, ruined the recipe. I agree with actually both those things that those happen. But what I what I think I'm looking at is like Gabriel Medina is liable to fall off the podium because he's driving at 110 percent and you can't do that forever. John John, his natural state slow and steady is slow and steady. And but he's not really trying that hard. He's just that talented. And I think he's actually talented enough to win a world title without really having that 110 percent drive that Gabriel had to have to get where he got and he's unbelievably talented as well i just think john john will get there because the wave one year the waves will be pumping at cloud break and he'll win out there waves will be pumping at lowers he's liable to win out there in a year pumping at pipeline he'll win out there and he'll get enough wins strung together because the waves were great everywhere we went and he's the best surfer in great waves you know what i mean so the problem is when you get crappy gold coast and he gets a Losing Every, the third everybody round. Everybody gets or, crappy Gold Coast. Yeah, I know, right. but I, I don't know. He's going to have to overcome. That's not stopping Adriano de Souza. That's exactly. So that's where the switch needs to be, like we're, ramped up or turned on. I guess we're not to mi- not to mix metaphors. Number three in the surfer poll. This is going to surprise people. Number three. They're all going to surprise people. <laughs> Felipe Toledo is my number three most interesting surfer in 2015. All right, blazing through an early WSL season in Australia grabbed the title, ran with it into the middle of the season where he fell on his face more or less. Now he's again tightening his clasp on this, um, on contest points and stuff. Um, and and really, he's he's 
leading the charge, I would suggest more than anybody as far as reinventing what you can do in the air with a contest jersey on. Agreed. And, no question. And um, it's it's truly amazing. And we should – you get the feeling it's sort of like when Tiger Woods came on tour. It's like, wow, you want to watch this. You know, like this is must-watch TV. And um, sadly, I, you know, you and I want to see the judges kind of get to that same spot and be able to handle what – and, and decipher what Felipe's doing in the air. Yeah. Um, so he's he's the number three most interesting surfer for 2015. And not just in the air, by the way. Yeah. I mean, he's like his rail turns at the beach breaks in Europe and then also at lowers and places like that are unbelievable. So fast, so sharp, so and then combo, this is the crap out of everything. It's, he's got the full game in those style of waves. Yep. So number two most interesting surfer for 2015, Kelly Slater. Kelly's still the man. He transcends our culture, David, and mingles among the elite class, golfing, clubbing, TED talking, and then paddles out. I didn't see the TED talk. As one of us and continues to be amazing. Hmm. I threw the TED talking in just because it sounded good. Oh, okay. <laughs> he needs to do a TED talk. You are in love. <laughs> You are. It's, <laughs> dude, your whole demeanor changed when you start talking about Kelly. Kelly's the man. You Apparently so. Oh, you don't think he's number two and most interesting surfer? No. Where keep, is he? Keep your, preaching. Okay, when's your list coming Keep out? preaching, dude. Okay, number one. Number one most interesting surfer for 2015. I, I can't even Who Who imagine. could it be? Well, based on this list, it could be, I don't know. Laird? Anybody? <laughs> no, it's not Laird. Um, William Finnegan. Is my oh. most interesting surfer for 2015. He's crafted words that more or less eluded surf scribes for decades. And in downplaying surf culture, almost embarrassed by the surf world he lives in, he's banged the hammer on the nail head, allowing thousands of surfers, David, like you and I, to simply hand his memoir to our wives, our girlfriends, our parents, and our teachers and say, just read it. It is true. Only a surfer knows the feeling. And only Finnegan was able to come close to describing and disseminating that feeling with words that reach the masses. New York Times bestseller list. The surf world's getting older. The masses, young and old alike, are savvy, smart, educated, and simply over an artificial surf culture run by industry. An ongoing theme for decades. And Finnegan, through omission of anything superficial to the real surf, hardcore surf experience, hit it out of the park. William Finnegan is my number one. Surfer Paul of the Year. Author of Barbarian Days. Right. So I feel like Finnegan's writing just inspired you to write that paragraph about William Finnegan. That was the most beautiful, poetic. <laughs> it's the only paragraph I've ever that I've ever heard you say. Like you strung together some pure poetry right there. Yeah, I think I was inspired by Greg Gutfeld. Okay. How so? I just I think just, that was, I'll just leave it at that. I, I think you just, just leave it at that. I think you just that would probably make William Finnegan vomit in his mouth a little bit. Yeah, I think <laughs> you you just infused Finnegan through yourself. Maybe that was pretty impressive, dude. Yeah. There's I mean, my list. No one's gonna. I'm gonna go that. through it again. Nope. I'm not gonna at all. ten Dane Reynolds, nope. nine Adriana De Souza, eight Matt Parker, seven Mason Ho, six Gabe Medina, five WSL commentators, four John John, three Philippe Toledo, two Kelly Slater, number one William Finnegan. Sweet. Um, I'll 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 come up with my own list yeah, later. Yeah, the surfer poll. Yeah, I'll do it later, and we'll we'll uh, discuss it then. Do you, you can't see? have anyone that I have. Fair enough. I don't want them. You're kidding. No, you've got interesting people that aren't on my list. 
I'll, I'll take Mason. That's it. Wow. Um, and John John. Oh my God. Here we go. <laughs> Who else? You're not going to take Felipe? I know you. Felipe's Let me it. think okay, about okay, it. I want to put five. I'm ruining it. All right. Uh, so, did you see Shaper's Roundtable on Surfline? I did. Yeah. What'd you think? I was kind of bored by it. Were you really? I, I, I look, I got it to say, I didn't watch it all. I was in a hurry. I flipped it on and I, I watched the first 30 seconds and I turned it off. Wow. And I got to give it more time. You so do. it's not me. It's not them. It's me. Okay. I was in a hurry. I was hoping to be instantly engaged. And the discussion was sort of. Um, uh, Pedestrian? Long winded. Okay. And the storytelling was slow. Yeah. And, and it just wasn't like, you know, in this age of digital dissemination right we just sort of want bang 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 what get to the point you know and these were well thought out i'm sure they were great stories but they were just like uh, you know i don't know the, the the very first thing about i guess was when did you first see <laughs> simon anderson's thruster yeah it was it, yeah. It, 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 that that took a long time they somebody needed to edit that down or something i don't okay. know if your Fair thoughts enough. on the the pacing of it was was what caused problems with me, the pacing of the story. And I agree. So Surfline does this, did this Shapers Roundtable video series. There's like four or five videos, five to 10 minutes each. So maybe it's 30, 40 minutes total. And it's um, Rusty Preissendorfer or Preissendorfer, Eric Arakawa, Matt Biolis, Darren Hanley, and Britt Merrick, Al Merrick's son, sitting around a round table discussing board design, cultural implications like different shapers that have come and gone whatever um and you and i are somebody that do this podcast and interview people and try to develop and cultivate story so this fits perfectly with what we do and i'm actually craving more content like that and so that's why i'm always interested and i kind of give it a pass in a sense like i just want the content so i'll pay attention to whatever it is but I agree with you that it was marginally executed. They've done a better job in the past when they've done other roundtables. Like they did a world champ roundtable at some point, And that was really good, I thought. Um, this, I agree. It was also, you and I are in the scene enough to where we've already heard all these stories. And like I've interviewed Eric, Eric Howell, and he he used almost the same verbatim way of describing i mean he's probably told these stories a hundred times already so he just has a way of saying it but it's kind of like yeah that you know i i already know this part and i would i would hope that the person the producer and the person who's actually asking the questions would do a little dig a little bit deeper and not design it for the pedestrian like you know initial surf fan like most people on there watching something like that are you and I actually. So let's go deeper. You know? And 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 I also think that um, to that point, it's okay to not reach you know the um, what's the word the aspiring surfer. Like in other words, when you and I first were interested in surfing, we picked up Surfer Magazine and we just started looking through it, and they didn't explain to us what the situation was going, you know, like you just dove into it because you were going from aspirational surfer to being, to becoming an enthusiast and you just learned about it on your own. And so they didn't, they, ne they, they always took sort of a higher approach to, Hey, look, if you don't know this too bad for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I will suggest that perhaps, and this may or may not be the case, but if you put five of the best shapers in the world together, 
Most of them are going to be comfortable with each other. But I wonder if you got them separately, if you'd get a better interview or better answers or more yeah. insight without them being concerned about stepping on somebody's toes or egos being involved. And if I say it this way, you know, I don't want to upset some, you know, like they're just being nice and, you know, being cordial around a, a room of now. Maybe they just all are good buddies anyway, and that's just the way it was going to be with, right. with or without them, you know? Yeah. Um, I know with Rusty, for instance, he's not going to hold back. He's just going to tell, tell it how it is. Or he'll have, um, you know, he's smart enough to know what to say and what not to say, exactly. whether somebody's in the room or not. Um, and yeah. so I just, you know, I, I need to give it another look. Like I said, I only went into the first 35 seconds of it, and then I, I had to leave. So well, I need to give it more time. But it, my initial thing was, wow. Can you get me some information I you know that's yeah. a little bit more or something I can chew on? Yeah. Well, I put it on in the background while I was working on the computer, so I was listening to it more than I was watching it and that's that was what I need that to was do. adequate. Yeah. But it's funny, I put this topic on my notes because I wanted to discuss that I liked it and I haven't said anything that nice about it at all yet because I did like it until you just kind of said what you said and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. Actually, it left me wanting a little bit." But Flip side, they also do this series. Surfline does a series called Talk Story. And they did one recently with Rob Machado talking about the Billabong Challenge back in the mid-90s. Okay, this interests me a lot. Did you and I talk about... No. Okay, so um, when you were gone, Surfline did this thing called um, the Birth of the Dream Tour. Oh, and okay. they pinned the entire thing around um, the New York City Quicksilver Pro and how that was somehow the birth of the dream tour okay which i just went what yeah I'm because not the dream tour that. the dream tour started with these billabong events with jack mccoy yeah. getting the best surfers in the world four, four or five or ten or however many eight eight and taking them to western australia and pitting them up at at red bluff or wherever it was and filming it and that and rabbit bartholomew was a part of yep. those events and when Rabbit became the president of the ASP, he basically said, we're going to do those billabong challenges, but with the entire tour. Yep. And that is the birth of the Dream Tour. And I had a big problem with Surfline sort of claiming the birth of the Dream Tour based around tw uh, an event in New York in 2013 or whatever it was. Yeah, and 20 they, years later. Yeah, it just blew me away that they were kind of making that claim without any acknowledgement whatsoever about rabbit about the billabong and, yeah. and it made me think you know what maybe they just don't know maybe they really do think that that was the birth of the dream tour because they were able to find a spot that doesn't re really get good waves that often use sean collins's expertise and determine the exact week that if they're going to do it they're going to do it and then all the things aligned well and, they, it, and it went and it was great and by the way sean deserves all the credit in the world i'm not trying to take away anything from what they did for the new york event but to claim that that was the birth of the dream tour i remember going wow they don't know their history well surfline used the wrong word or the wrong term because that was the dream event maybe that went perfectly it went off on all cylinder fired well, on there was a cylinders. lot of dream events though but i mean sean was agreed was, was agreed. forecasting dream events you know when they had the g land event perfect and perfect G-Land in whatever year that was. That well, I would argue, though... over G-Land Pro. My understanding of the Dream 98 Tour... 98 or something. My understanding of the Dream Tour is that it was over by the time that New York event happened. Oh, it was. So, like, that New York event, ever since then, we haven't had any Dream Tour at all, actually. Yeah. We've had, like, hit and misses. 
prior the dream tour was when it was the best waves in the world on tour yeah, you know exactly. regardless of how many viewers were paying attention no, to exactly. it exactly so it was the billabong challenge up until new york it was that time so that's kind of totally a misnomer on there i was surprised part. i was surprised that they were kind of and and maybe you know well they maybe did. i'm being too sensitive to it but i just that they wouldn't make mention but then so to get to your point right now they do this thing with rob and him looking back on those Billabong challenges, which was those were the seeds of the Dream Tour. So Rob, it's he's talking about one specific event. I think it was the first one they did. He won it, um, and the concept was it was kind of in an effort to break away from the three to the beach mentality. And Rabbit was the contest director. Um, Jack McCoy was there to film and document the whole thing, and they made a movie about it. And they had a two week waiting period. They actually got skunked for 13 out of the 14 days. And then they ran on the final day and the waves were like six to eight foot pumping. Naralu, I think is the spot. Yeah. And um, the guys who went to the event, the eight surfers, it was Kelly, Rob, Johnny Boy Gomes, Shane Powell, Brendan Marginson. Sonny. Sonny. Yeah. I forget. Aki. Did I say Ock? Ock was there. Aki. And then... They didn't even know where they were going. They just were told, we're going to this mystery spot in the desert. Pack your bags, you know. And Rob was explaining, you know, it's Western Oz. And, like, there's, they're just wasting time for 13 days. And they'd walk out on the reef. And literally sharks would come up onto the reef and, like, be thrashing around. And then they'd, like, thrash their way back into the ocean. And the guys were like, this is so gnarly out here. It's so rugged. Like, sharks, we could see these sharks in the lineup right here. And um, they got tons of wind, rain, and then the final day, it just turned on. And they yeah. got this epic event. And they couldn't hear They didn't know what the scores were. You know, it was just like, you're out there surfing. And he said it was kind of gentleman's rules because it's so rugged and dangerous that you just, you don't want to really push and push each other. So whoever kind of paddled out first would get the first wave. And Rob ended up winning it. But, but my point is, they did a great job with this yes. talk story piece. Oh, good. As opposed to the Shapers Roundtable thing. Yeah. I love both concepts, but the talk story thing was awesome with Rob. So I'm a huge fan of it. That's really cool. And and I, I look, I wanted to see that. I, I sort of know the story. I've heard it from Rabbit's point of view, which is really fascinating because Rabbit's got a sort of, it's like herding cats. Now, you know, he's got 13 days of guys just basically tearing their hair out and going, this thing's lame. And right. you, know, you can imagine the backstory behind that. And you know that Rabbit and Jack McCoy, and there was another guy, a Billabong exec, that was involved in it. Gordon, no, not Gordon Merchant. Gordon was there though. Oh, was he? There was another guy that was kind of. I think if you do an encyclopedia of surfing search for um, for this, you'll you'll find out who the other guy is. But anyway, you know that that backstory from those guys, the organizers who had to kind of keep these. I don't know if they were coddled pro surfers, but pro surfers who were sort of told nothing, and then for 13 days gotten that thing you can imagine that everybody's uh wits were a bit tested there yeah i agree um those guys definitely wanted to be elsewhere in the world surfing perfect waves i'm sure you know yeah two weeks is a long time to spend um and i don't know if this was the event but there was some event I, and i don't know if it was this one but there was some event where and it might have been a J bay where where it was just flat it was the last day of the waiting period and Rabbit paddled out and more or less just willed the swell to show up. Really? He just sat there and goes, I'm going out there and I'm going to catch a wave and we're going to have this event, you know, and as the contest director, and I could be butchering this. I, I, I think I have three or four stories mixed up here, oh, but, okay. but the point is, is that 
Rabbit had this ability to just like will this swell. And sure enough, the tide dropped and the swell showed up and Rabbit caught a couple of waves. And before you know that it was on and they were running heats. And yeah, it, yeah. That's rad. Yeah. Well, I had another thought as I was watching that is like back when I was, when that happened in the mid nineties and I was getting into surfing, I was a teenager. There was fewer surf celebrities to really pay attention to. You know, it's like, we're going to send eight people to West Oz. You're like, well, I could think of five. Like, yeah. who, who are they going to round out the other three with, you know? Yeah. And I went to, um, this is a, I'm going to tie this all together. You're not going to see the direction I'm going, but I went to Graceland last year to Elvis Presley's, th- you know, I remember, house. yeah. And it dawned on me there. Like, I know Elvis is. I got the keychain still, by the way. Thank oh, yeah. you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so Elvis, I knew that he was famous, but I wasn't. I never listened to his music when I was growing up or anything like that. He wasn't a big part of my life, but I knew he was famous. Well, when I went there, it dawned on me something I hadn't realized, which is in his era, there wasn't very many famous people. There was him. There was Frank Sinatra, you know, and maybe like three others, like, like legitimately a list celebs. Whereas now there's people who make, tens and tens of millions of dollars that you and I have no clue who they are. They're famous rappers. They're famous actors and actresses. They're YouTube celebrities. It's like, it's not like there's Justin Bieber and Beyonce. Yeah. There's them, but then there's also Taylor Swift and there's Katy Perry and there's Rihanna and there's just like all these people back then. There wasn't really what year, that. What so year much. are you saying? Like 1950? Yeah. Whenever dude. I think there was a lot of people in 1950 that you're not, missing. that were A-listers. Okay. I made an exaggeration by saying there's three, but there's now way more now. Now there's people who you and I don't know. There's far more people that you and I don't know than we probably do that are like super famous. You know what I mean? And I kind of relate that. But how famous are they if we don't know them? Enough to be making tens of millions, like enough to not be able to walk through. No, but they can't walk through the Heathrow airport probably Uh, without getting mobbed. But you and I don't know who they are. You know what I mean? So. My point is that that's the way surfing is nowadays too. Like with this Billabong Challenge thing, I couldn't think of eight surfers that they would want to send. Now I could think of 30. And then you could think of 30 that I don't know of and I can name 10 that you don't know of. And we're like, who the heck cares about Creed McTaggart? All of Australia does, you know, and all of other places. But in Southern California, I don't really know that anybody cares about him, you know? And like we've talked about Luke Davis and you're like, does he sell in board shorts? I don't know. That's always a conversation. And then... By the way, Jay Davies was almost on my list. Oh. He almost made my list, but he He would be on mine for sure. Now now he can't be. So, but then, I mean, then that... Like, there's so many examples of that. Carlos Munoz, like, yeah. Jay Davies, no, Craig Anderson, like, That's Dylan why every Agius, time you go, like, this guy rips, I go, yeah, they all rip. Right. But, like, who's got the competitive chops? Who's got the Adriano de Souza to, like, make it happen? Yeah. That's the thing about Adriano is that he actually doesn't rip that great. <laughs> but, he's so, but, I mean, you know, and again, that's opinion, subjective opinion based on, yeah. you know, what I think is a good style or whatever. But... You know, that's what's so neat about Adriano, right? Is But yeah, there's just so many guys that rip. Like, where's Matt Banning? You know, you told me at this time next year he was going to win the surfer pole. You had him, you know what I mean? I like, didn't say that. I know, I'm he, exaggerating. By, but, the, by the way, he got injured at J-Bay before okay, well, the event. That, and that happens. That's why he's not there. Yeah, and that happens. Okay. You know, like, but do you miss him? Yes, I do. No, you're in love with Dude, Matt when I go to sleep. You love Matt Banning. I do. When I go to sleep at night, that's the last thing I think about. Yeah, praying Matt, for Matt Banning's knee to recover. <laughs> Matt Banning So that I can poster. see him again. Yeah. Oh, well, I put it on my ceiling so I can but just look so, up. So you're right. I, there are so many great surfers. Yeah. They all rip. There's guys in your hometown and my hometown that 
yeah. a red hot that you're like, I know. who's the next guy? Kanoe Igarashi? Yeah, he is. Is actually. Jake Marshall going to be the guy? Maybe next year. But I, I don't even – I'm not even complaining about this. It's not like – No, I'm I know. Saying, I know. It's just like I'm just making note of it because I yeah. watched the Billabong thing and I was like, yeah, when I was a kid, I had three guys that I loved, you know, and that was it. Well, here, the Billabong thing, just as you know, I'm not I'm – not, you know this, but back then it was like, okay, who's the Billabong riders? The entire Billabong team's going. Right. And then who are the other three guys that we have to have? Kelly. Well, Kelly, Rob, and Johnny Boy. Yeah. And that's who's going, you know, and then like Brendan Margeson, like, like Brendan, he's a good surfer, but, but he was kind of the day well, of that time. He was pretty, he's, he's a pretty rad surfer, he's but he's so good. pretty pedestrian. I mean, he, he's actually more like Taylor Knox, like a big power hacker guy. But I mean, Dane in that he's, um, uh, creative and like whimsical and like, you want to just, you know, more about Brendan than I do. I had no idea yeah. that he was creative and whimsical. Yeah. Like you, he's going to be spontaneous and radical. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But he definitely had the power car for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, watch that. I'll post a link to it, surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can watch the video of that talk story thing. Um, forgot to mention with John John when we were talking about him earlier, View from the Blue Moon premieres tomorrow yeah. night in Newport Beach. I'm going to it. I Good got tips you. on my way here. I just Is got it the sold text. out. It was sold out last week, and then wow. I reached out and got, got the inside cool. track. Um, and so I'm going to go check that out tomorrow. Is John John going to be there? Are they flying him in to hang out? I think he probably would be. He's been doing all the local news circuit. Like he did KTLA. He was on the news. Um, he was on French GQ. He did KCRW's guest DJ project. I love KCRW. Like it's a Los Angeles based music station, but they do this guest DJ project. Public radio. Isn't it NPR's affiliate or something? Yeah, it is. And, Kelly Slater's been on the guest DJ project in the past. They basically have a celebrity or quasi-celebrity in this case um, come in and give them five songs and discuss why these are their five favorite songs of the moment. And John John is on it. Uh, I think it was like last week or something. Do you have any guesses as to what John John's favorite songs are? Uh, JJ Kale. Oh, did you see this article? Is it really? <laughs> no, no. No, I have no clue. I'm sure it's You're going to love number one. It's a bunch one. of guys that I don't even know. No, you're going to love it, actually. 20, 29 Pilots. No. 21 Pilots. Neil Young's Old Man. Rad. ACDC's Thunderstruck. Killer. The Blacks... I'm sorry, The Rolling Stones, Paint It Black. Wow. Black Sabbath's Under the Sun. And then Jack Johnson wrote a song for this new movie of his, View from the Blue Moon, and it's Seasick Dream. So... That's pretty cool. Those, yeah. are, those are the five songs that he spun on the radio based mm-hmm. on those are his favorite. Yep. Wow. And I will um, post a link or embed this episode. Old Man by Neil Young. The Hawaii native made history as the youngest competitor to surf the triple crown of surfing at age 13. And he's still going strong. His new surf film, View from a Blue Moon, documents his travels over three years. There you go. There's just a little taster. KCRW's guest DJ project with John John. Cool, man. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'll let you know how that film is. I'm super psyched for it. John C. Riley, like I said, narrates it. Neil Young rented a farmhouse and the old man that lived on the farm that rented it to him. That's who he wrote old man. about. I had no clue. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I heard that Neil Young was a lot like him. <laughs> <laughs> He was one taking day, a look one, at his yes, life. Thank you. I was just going to go there. He took a look at his life and he said, you know, we wear the same overalls. I'm a lot like you were. He's <laughs> 24 and there's so much more, you know? And Yeah. All right. I'm enough. Enough of that. <laughs> um, do you have must-see moment or Duke and Kook or any of that? 
You know what? I apologize. I don't. And don't one, worry. One of the listeners sent an email to me that said, it's so lame that you don't have Duke and Kook for every episode. David's right. You should be more prepared, more professional. But, dude, I prepared an entire Surfer Poll Awards. And so, and, and I, on my drive down here, I was going, gosh, I got to come up with a Kook and a Duke. And it's easy to come up with a Duke. I mean, you can kind of mail in a Duke. And I just don't want to call people out for being a kook because you say that but i do it successfully every time i know but i just feel like it without giving like it's it has to be like something that everyone would go yeah that guy's a kook for sure (laughs) you know like even the guy that's doing it would be yeah i kind of kooked out and i don't want to just grasp at straws for the sake of like being mean-spirited, you know, like I, that's I, not in my makeup. That's not what I'm doing, though. I'm I know, not, you're not. I'm just so saying. So you it. need to think outside the box. That's not the point of the kook isn't to make, hurt somebody's feelings. It's to illustrate something that is counter our ideals and, you know. Okay. So No, you're right. You're Thanks not trying hard enough. That's the, here's the I problem. I think you're right. I, I have the wrong prism that I'm looking through. You are. Like, here's the real deal is you didn't take the time no, I to did. come up I thought. on I the thought. drive down here when you don't have the access of the internet at your fingertips. you got oh, to sit down in front of a computer. You have to have access to the yes. internet. Yes. <laughs> there are so many kooks on the internet. It's unbelievable. Well, I come across an article over the course of the two yeah. weeks before we record this show, and I go, oh, that's weird, and that's a perfect kook move. Boom. Okay. Well, I got to hear mine right now? Yes. I'll here, shut up. I'm going to illustrate to you. How to, do, How to this. do this. Okay. okay. Considering <laughs> I made up this segment like years ago before you were, I even knew you. You're but, not, I used to tell you how to do this. Now you're telling me how to do this. Hey, do you remember when I used to say, you can't do that. Grasshopper has become the master. Oh my God, you snatched the pebble right from my hand. While you were staring at it, too, your eyes were open and just snatched it. I'm a blind man. Okay. A pebble. Here's the kook move. Yes. Got, got this tweet from at. Romans Ray at the end of October, so a couple weeks behind with this. But um, did you hear that J Bay may not be on the tour for 2016? I can't say that I heard that. Okay, check this out. The surfers were all in France and they were doing some vote. I guess they vote regularly on various things. And oh, I did hear this. Go ahead. And there was two surfers yes. who were getting the kook move yes. that voted to kick J Bay off tour next year, given the shark attack situation right. with Mick. They're like, we don't feel safe enough out there. Yeah. Blah blah blah. So even Mick Fanning and Julian Wilson themselves were keen for another round at the world's most perfect right point break. Um, Let me guess. It was Goofy Foots. <laughs> yeah, Goofy Foot Brazilians who didn't want to come back next year. Name them. Gabriel Medina and Jadson Andre. Wow. Raised their hands. Not only raised their hands to vote it down and off the tour, vocally advocated for why it's not a good stop on tour. So that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means... Um, I mean, it, the reality is it probably will be back next year because it was the most highly, highly publicized surf event ever in the history of the world. The YouTube clip of Mick getting attacked has 23 million views. Oh, Everybody's yeah, going to be watching it's next the best year. Story. In fact, that shark should have been on my top 10. That was the most <laughs> interesting thing ever. So that should be your kook, actually. See how we well, did that? The shark was your kook of the week. Right. So. Well, no, the, look, you bring up a great point. The two kooks here, like, that's a kook move. Thank I'm you. sorry. That Thank is you. a kook move. To not have Jay Bay be on tour, like, how could you not want Jay Bay? The, as one a of the professional greatest surfer. Ways, as, as a, pro- as you as call a world champion. A professional surfer. Yeah. And you're saying no to Jay Bay. And I, th- this article is implying that they were using the shark incident as reason for why we don't want to go back there. But what we all really know is 
this is not an event that benefits their style exactly, of surfing. Exactly. They're trying to replace, kick J-Bay off the tour and replace it with a beach break in another Brazil. Rio, you <laughs> no. know, or something. Or, or Chikama, some perfect left <laughs> or something. Yeah. Look, you know, interestingly, from a competitive standpoint, I get it. I'm almost more disappointed that they're trying to cover it up. Like, I'd have more respect for them if they just said, hey, I could do way better at Chikama than I could do at J-Bay. Right. Like, my, like, all you got to do is look at my results. Yeah. And that's why I don't want it on tour. Call it what it is, but I do way better at the left. Yeah. And I'd have more respect for that, I think. But the idea that, oh, it's the shark. Yeah. That's why we don't want it. Yeah. That's silly. I agree. And by the way, there's sharks a lot of other places that they surf. And Jordy even said... When I was when we were surfing the box, I was sitting with Miguel in the water, and a shark came up. Oh, sorry, a shark came up between Miguel and I, thrashing in the water. They didn't call off the event. Like yeah. we stayed out there and we surfed, yeah. and they didn't even publicize it. You know, so oh, they should have. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe they didn't catch it on camera. Maybe yeah. it wasn't like in the middle of the heat or something. But yeah. he's like, "Look, this is what we deal with. It is what it is, dude. This isn't the first time it's happened. It's the first time somebody got attacked, essentially." Yeah. But, um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, big time kook move. No question about it. Gabriel, do, you, do you have to get attacked with a jersey on for it to not be allowed, uh, for it not to be a, a contest um, arena? Let me address the rule book. <laughs> I mean, it's not I, can think, that, I think every surf spot there's been a shark attack. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyway, kook move. Gabe and Adriano calling you out. Wow, Gabe, wearing your black hat. Soon enough, you will love to hate him. Got to have somebody that you just don't want to see do well. Yeah. All right. Well. No? We'll see. You love them all. No, I don't love him and I don't hate him, but hating him that much. Not hate, but like the the guy that you root against because of his lack of class, his overclaims. I guess here's my thought on on Gabriel. His shower commercial where he shaves his underarms. (laughs) (laughs) Gillette. He's a good guy, but whatever. No, but I don't know that he is. So- Everything that you said, I don't actually like about him. His persona, the bravado, but I like watching him surf. You know, it's like when he's in a heat, I'm going to watch it. And it's not that I like his style or something like that. It's just he's He's dynamic. He's dynamic. Or no, he's just such a tenacious competitor. Yes. And he is dynamic. And it's kind of like. He's good for the tour. I want to see somebody go out there and like trounce him. Yes. But they're going to have to get two nines. And that's good. Yeah. Yes. See, look, you're coming around. We want to see him get trounced. Yeah. But I. Look, every every sporting event. Last night, I wanted to see the Chicago Bears get trounced. Yeah. You know, I wanted to see Jay Cutler get his butt kicked. Yeah. You know, doesn't mean that Jay's not a good guy or that I wouldn't like having a beer with Jay or whatever. And, right. You know. Well, okay. My, my Duke of yeah. the week. Okay. Mick Fanning for granting the wish to the Grom who has brain cancer that wants to surf with Mick. Okay. Here's the deal with Mick, dude. He was never my favorite surfer. He slowly crawled his way into my heart and he snuggled up in there (laughs) taking a nap and without without me knowing he's found a place in my heart over the course of the last four or five years where i'm like dude this guy surfs unbelievably good in all conditions i think he's suckling on your (laughs) (laughs) totally without me knowing i was like why does this feel so good to have mick here with me and so now, am I jaded? Because when I saw this story, maybe I'm jaded, and I hope I'm. I hope I am. I hope I'm wrong here, but I kind of sense like, is this like a PR move? Like, aren't there lots of surfers that do lots of wonderful sure. things for cancer-stricken kids and all these autistic maybe. kids? And like, there's so many. Yeah, is well, this is this 
Let me. Ask, I hope I'm being jaded because I want to love Mick for this. Let me ask you this: Is this Scott a Bass. PR move? Let me ask you this, no. Scott. Bass. I don't know. I'm not saying it well, is. So let me answer your question. Okay. Thank you. He's, Let me love Mick with you. He's number one in the world right now, going into the world title race. Yes. Taking time out to do this. I'm not, so would right, but would, the publicity no, of it is stop, where I'm stop. Okay. All right. You can get publicity in a lot of different ways. Do you do it when you're in the home stretch of the season? Take time out of your life to go do something like this. I don't see Gabriel Medina doing that stuff. You're right. Other people do it for publicity. Guys who are 20th spot on the rankings that have nothing else to do with their time right now. Mick needs to keep his eye on the prize, but he still takes the time out to do this. He's works with a Starlight Foundation. This kid's parents, the kid's fighting cancer. They wanted him to he wanted to surf with Mick. Mick took the time out of his life to do it. The kid said, quote, it was the best moment of my life. Mick, You've sold me. So Mick I believe you. It's sincere. But yes. this is just one thing. Remember last year he was my Duke because Local Newport Beach Grom, 13-year-old Tyler Gunther, was surfing Pipeline on a big day. Right, that and he was lost, really cool. He lost his board, yes. and he was out there, and there was these big wash-through sets. Yes. Mick took off his leash, gave Tyler his board to paddle in on, and then Mick swam in yeah. at Pipeline yeah. with no fins. Yeah. That's a that's a hero move, I you know? Agree. I agree. And no, then you, I, the shark attack thing, yes. then he's got three world titles. He's the hardest working man in surf business. And he's and suckling then, your teeth right now. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no, I agree with you. Don't you tease me with a good me. time, man. You're, that you're, is like out of my roll. dreams. <laughs> so, what else has he done? Is so, he the best man at your wedding? <laughs> I wish. I wish. So, but I'm, and he's, again, those things, he's crawled his way into my heart. But as a surfer, yes. I also didn't love his surfing before. Yes. I can't deny how amazing his surfing is. Yes. And in all waves, from lowers to pipeline. Yeah. He's gnarly. Yeah. Okay, good. I no, I'm, Nick, I'm a fan. I, I, I just was, I, I didn't read the story. I just saw the headline and I thought, mm, maybe, I, and you know what? It's on me. It's not on Mick. It's me for like even going there. And I I'm glad that he's doing these things. And also, I don't think that he's the one publicizing this. Like, he just took an afternoon out, went and did it, That's and then the other key. people publicize right. it. And Unless even, he, even if his PR firm does push it out there, look, I get it. Yeah. You know, like, he, at the end of the day, you're right. It's clear to you that it's a sincere effort to help this young man, with yeah. or without PR. And so, good. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. This kid couldn't, maybe couldn't wait until after December to have this wish granted. Yeah. Had to happen now. And I'm glad for the young man. Yeah. So, and then must-see moment. Mason Ho's latest video that just dropped. That was dropped. cool. That Mason, was so cool. Mason's wedge surfing. It's called... I've seen that before, though. That seems like I've saw that footage somewhere, or he's surfed that same weird Rio wedge peak before somewhere. I've seen that. But he posted a couple clips on ago. it. Oh, that long ago? Yeah. Okay. Well... Yeah, Mason surfing this super wedgy head high. The thing starts off as like an ankle high side wave bouncing off the rocks. He'll catch it and then go into this backdoor peak. He'll go left. He'll go right. He'll bounce off it. He'll get shacked. He'll do a big air. Yeah, it's, it's like really cool. So freaking rad. It's a unique wave, a unique surfer, and unique surfing. All three things happening at once. It's totally. a radical wedge. Can't imagine anybody surfing it better than he does either. Yeah, it's pretty. Like neat. Kelly couldn't do it better. You know. Wait a minute. Could not. Wait a minute. Don't try to act like you have a love Stop the for recording. Kelly the way that I have Stop. a love for Mick. Stop the recording. <laughs> Let's actually do a love fest. No. We'll both profess. <laughs> Me for Mick, you for Kelly. We'll go. Man crush? Full on. What yeah. else do you got? We have to record it on a Monday, though. Man crush Monday. <laughs> <laughs> do a special episode. <laughs> Julian's dreamy eyes. Uh, TT Thursday or TT Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. 
Must that's my must see moment. Mason Ho, I'll have it on surfsplendorpodcast.com where you can also contact, leave a message on the website, whatevs. Or you can watch it on what? Downlineradio.com. There you go. I was just going to see if you actually know your own website. I'm actually um I'm relaunching boardroomshow.com and I'm going to include all the downline stuff on that site. Sweet. Extra downloads, dude. Love it. I'm just moving it over there. Oh, hopefully okay. I'll get all the backend BS figured out too, so we can. Because I'm quite confident that we're getting a lot of listeners. We are. I just don't know how to. I'm tracking it on my end, buddy. Bang, Mason. Whatever you're getting, we can multiply times three. I think three. Yeah, love it. I think I think that's fair. If we can multiply it by by the way, three, I'd be happy. Ten year anniversary of the show. When is it? Today, right? Is it today, literally? It, didn't you say it was in November? Oh, shoot. I think you're right. It might be today. Dude, we are the worst at <laughs> celebrating. We just don't self-promote. you know, promote. It's all like we're, you know, uh, it is what it is. If you like it, you'll listen. If not, you're not. You don't need to know it's a 10-year anniversary of yeah, the best yeah, 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 yeah. and only surf podcast available to mankind. <laughs> the most <laughs> oh, that was widely downloaded best. Yeah. Well. For sure, the most downloaded just based on its... Lengthy history, 10 years. No, I know. Well, like I literally have the numbers and it is. Oh. So. Well, I mean, you've got surf splendors, but I mean, but no, over the years, sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't have the numbers on like when it was on terrestrial radio. It would get right. downloaded off of that radio station's right. pod right, right. directory or whatever. Right. Well, congratulations. 10 years. Let's, uh, I always say like, we'll figure out a celebration and then I never follow up with it, but well, maybe, maybe to continue the love fest. I can't do it without you. You do. A, and in all sincerity, you do a great job. And Thank quite you. frankly, I, I doubt that I would be here if you didn't, if we didn't hook up. And, well, you were here for eight years without me. So yeah, there's something to be said for that. All right, man. I love you too, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we got? Anything else? No, Is that was must see moments and kooks and dudes. All right. Done Until deal. next time, uh, which will be two weeks from today, I guess. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. Let's keep those listeners teased. Adios and... Trying to make up for lost time. Adios and aloha. Everything that I said at the beginning of the show, just repeat right here. Follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. The website is surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can leave a comment about today's show. You can find an archive of all past episodes. You can find all the music, including this Pearl Jam track from what I believe was their second album, Versus. Um, But everything is on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then um, rate and review the show on iTunes, wherever you listen. That helps the show to grow. Share the show with friends. And I think that's all that I have to say. Um, Otherwise, thanks for listening. This is your host, David Scales, reminding you, as always, to shred on.